This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, November 18th, 2021 on KUAF, your public radio station. You can listen to us at 91.3. You can also listen to us with our free KUAF app. Thank you for being here. I'm Kyle Kellums. This hour, using color, glass, and light to bring surprise to Emma Avenue in downtown Springdale. What they'll see is actually light coming through the stencil that I've created. And uh, it is a play of pattern and line. We go to the famous hardware storefront to find out more about new art in Springdale. Just ahead, Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore gives us details about the city of Fayetteville's work to divert food waste from businesses away from the landfill. Arkansas's battle with COVID-19 continues at a steady rate. The Arkansas Department of Health reports 828 new cases diagnosed in the most recent 24-hour testing period. It's the second consecutive day with more than 800 new cases, the first such two-day stretch since October 6th and 7th. There was also an increase by 24 patients in people hospitalized in Arkansas with the virus. The ADH added three fatal cases to the state's total. Active cases grew by more than 350. The University of Arkansas Honors College is listed as one of six institutions providing valuable opportunities to undergraduates, according to the 2022 U.S. News and World Report Best Colleges Guide. Benefits of the Honors College included honors housing for first-year students, honors seminars on cutting-edge topics like blockchain, and financial support through grants and fellowships. That U.S. News and World Report places the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences undergraduate nursing program as among the best 50 in the country. The new ranking puts the UAMS program 43rd out of nearly 650 nursing schools that were ranked. UAMS is the only nursing school in the state to be placed inside the top 50. As some Arkansas lawmakers push for a Texas-style abortion restriction, Planned Parenthood says it's working to fight what it says are unconstitutional bans. It operates two clinics in the state, and during a press conference yesterday, Dr. Janet Cathy said it's preparing to resume offering medication abortions at its facility in Rogers. There are significant hurdles to accomplish that end, even though the care is safe. Um, and not particularly challenging for providers to offer, the state makes it difficult by having a cobweb of regulations that we have to comply with. So right now we're continuing to go through the process to ready our center, to make sure that staff have everything in line, that we're able to meet all of the requirements. State Senator Jason Rapert, a Republican from Conway, says he has a meeting scheduled next week with Governor Asa Hutchinson. The governor wants to call a special session to consider a tax cut package, but Senator Raybert says while the legislature is together, he wants to introduce a bill similar to the recently enacted Texas law. I'm working towards a day when we will see every abortion clinic, Planned Parenthood, the Little Rock Family Planning Clinic, all of them completely shut down in our state. Life is precious and it should be protected. And I believe that the people of Arkansas uh, would just as soon Planned Parenthood go back to where they came from. The governor said he wants the special session to be focused only on tax cuts. He's delayed issuing the call to talk with legislative leaders. The U.S. Supreme Court has not taken immediate action to halt the Texas law. Talk Business and Politics reports that the Fort Smith Board of Directors has set a date for a special election on February 8th. That special election will decide on whether or not to continue two different sales taxes. The first is a quarter of 1% city sales tax, which will support the Fire and Parks Department. The second a three-quarters of a percent city sales tax to be reallocated to the police department and consent decree sewer work. 
The John Brown University women's soccer team, ranked sixth in the national NAIA poll, opens the NAIA National Championship Tournament at home tonight against Friends College from Kansas. First kick scheduled for 6.05 at Alumni Field in Siloam Springs. This afternoon at 3.05, Benedictine and Cumberland's meet in another first-round match played in Siloam Springs. The winners of those two games meet in the tournament's second round Saturday afternoon again at Alumni Field. And the Arkansas Razorback soccer team hosts Virginia Tech in the NCAA tournament's second round. That's tomorrow night at 6.30 at Razorback Field. is Ozarks at Large. Nearly 20% of all waste collected by the city of Fayetteville is food waste, according to a recent study. City officials are hoping to encourage businesses to divert that waste into a more productive life cycle through composting instead of putting it in the landfill. Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore brings us this report. In 2014, the city of Fayetteville did a study in partnership with Mount Kessler Consulting to better understand the waste that is produced in the city. Based on that study, we found out that 18% of Fayetteville's waste stream is food waste. That's Taylor Gladwin, an environmental educator for the city of Fayetteville. And in 2016, we launched the commercial food waste pickup program as a pilot program. And then in 2017, um, as a result of the Kessler study, the city council um, voted to uh, establish the Waste Reduction and Diversion Master Plan in 2017. And also that same year, we got a new permit from the ADEQ to allow us to compost food waste in addition to yard waste. The ADEQ is the Arkansas Department of Environmental Quality, the statewide department that protects air, water, and land from pollution. Now, you may be wondering what I was wondering, but you're afraid to ask? It's fine. I asked. What exactly distinguishes trash from food waste? So food waste is your food that you have left over on your plate after you've eaten your meal, any prep waste, anything that's gone bad in your refrigerator, and also any food that you just simply can't eat, um, banana peels, apple cores, eggshells, even coffee grounds, things like that. Um, so that's the food waste, and it's, of course, an organic material. Um, it's not um, man-made like plastic or something, and so it, uh, it has a very specific reaction when it goes to the landfill as opposed to when it's turned into compost. Typically in America, getting rid of trash means loading it into a giant truck, and that truck takes it out to a secluded part of the city where the landfill is. But as Taylor says, food waste reacts differently in a landfill setting than it does in a composting setting surrounded by other biodegradable items. So in 2017, the initial implementation of the food waste program was set on a commercial scale. Restaurants, grocery stores, one of the Montessori schools, and even dining commons on the U of A campus are now part of this program. For businesses, it's not just an environmental impact. It's a financial one, too. 
So in Fayetteville, we have a pay-as-you-throw program. The more you throw away, the more you pay. Um, but our food waste compost program for businesses is $15.05 a month for 12 monthly pickups. So that's about a dollar per pickup. And our hope is that by diverting their food waste from their trash can, they can save money on their trash bill um, because the cost of food waste collection is a fraction of the cost of trash. And people are really responsive to that, of course, as a business, but also the environmental benefits of composting one's food waste. Um, when food waste goes to the landfill, it produces methane, which is an extremely potent greenhouse gas, but it doesn't stay in the atmosphere anywhere near as long as carbon dioxide. And so the benefits of composting your food waste um, are significant and can be quick. So how does it work for businesses? The city supplies them with a 65-gallon food waste cart. Or more than that, if they need it. And we also supply the business with the first six-month supply of BPI-certified compostable bags. So we supply the first six months of bags and the cart, and um, that's really it. That's the infrastructure. And, you know, we work with the business when they sign up and to kind of figure out the logistics. Uh, you know, you need a bucket in your kitchen and you collect your food waste there. Then you empty the bucket in the food waste cart outside. Where is the cart going to be collected from? Basically, usually it's wherever your trash is collected from. Um, and then, you know, I'm happy to always go in and give a presentation or work with the business um, and educate their employees. And we also, of course, have signage that we're, we supply to the customers or the businesses as well. Once I put it in the bag, once I put it outside, once it, get, it's, it gets collected, what happens to it from there? We take it back to our facility, the compost facility in South Fayetteville, and we mix it with yard waste that we collect from our residential routes, and that's brought to our facility, and then we turn it into compost. And in about a three-month process, we're able to sell that back to the community, and um, also we give it to our parks and recreation department and schools that are participating in the program for use in their gardens. So if you're a school, like the Montessori school, for example, it, it kind of goes full circle, right? You go from, from working in your kitchen to it goes to the compost space in South Fayetteville, eventually makes its way back, right? Yes, and we're actually um, in the beginning stages of working with the Fayetteville public schools um, to develop some science-based curriculum that uh, teaches this kids full circle about the benefits of waste diversion from the landfill and full circle with eating, you know, the food that they grow in their garden that was grown with the compost that came from their previous food. So it's a great lesson. The program has expanded to collection on the residential level as well, which is a drop-off program. Where we have multiple drop-offs throughout the city, and we're working on establishing more equally spaced drop-offs where residents can bring their food waste to one of our drop-off locations that are 24-7, and then we collect the food waste from there and, once again, of course, turn it into compost so everyone can participate. Whether you're a business looking to divert your food waste into a more productive use or a resident in need of a five-gallon bucket to do this at home, you can find out more information about these programs at the City of Fayetteville website and clicking on the Trash and Recycling button. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Matthew Moore. And ahead on Ozarks, the politics part of Talk Business and Politics. Roby Brock with our partner, Talk Business and Politics, ask political observers about the upcoming GOP U.S. Senate primary that will include incumbent John Bozeman and a growing number of Republican challengers. That's part of today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report, beginning in about eight minutes on Ozarks at Large. 
KUAF is supported by Little Guys Movers, built on family values and community involvement for over 28 years. Little Guys Movers focused on changing the image of the moving industry, one move at a time. Littleguys.com for more information. When caring for a seriously ill loved one, the journey shouldn't be taken alone. Circle of Life Hospice can help. Services are covered by Medicare, Medicaid, and private insurance. No one is turned away based on an inability to pay. 750-6632 or nwacircleoflife.com is supported by Little Wing Productions presenting American singer, songwriter, and actor Lyle Lovett in concert at the Auditorium in Eureka Springs Wednesday, March 23, 2022 at 7.30 p.m. A limited number of reserved seat tickets go on sale this Friday morning at 10 a.m theauditorium.org for tickets and more information. The windows of the famous hardware space on Emma Avenue in downtown Springdale are turned into works of art again with an opening reception from 5 to 8 tonight. Two artists are reimagining what we'll see when we gaze into the building space. Conrad Baker from Urbana, Illinois is making the famous hardware facade into a clever vignette of a bookstore. Don't want to spoil anything else. You'll enjoy it. Jay Walker from Philadelphia is using color, space, and light to convert the western storefront windows into his work receiving. It's a mural that will stream light out into the street to create an image of the light and color beaming toward outreached hands. Yesterday afternoon, Jay Walker was putting finishing touches on receiving. He says he started his mural process by using stencils of work with spray paint or traditional oil paint. And then one day I realized uh, that the stencils were more interesting uh, than the actual things that I was producing with the stencils. I, I think it was I uh, leaned one of the stencils up against a window after I had cut it with a router, uh, for plunge router for a long time. And uh, whenever I looked at that, I was like, well, that's better than whatever I'm gonna create with this. So that's, that's the genesis of using the negative space to create. And at nighttime, the, the light will go through um, and that will actually be the more prominent aspect. You have to, you're installing this and it's on the front window space, glass space of Famous Hardware. So you're looking at it from in here and from out here. Is that at all different for you? N no, I've actually worked uh, on glass like this uh, for a number of years uh, and creating works like in uh, Berlin and in Japan and Miami. So I've really learned how to, you know, understand how it'll look from both directions, but I do have to step out a lot uh, just to make sure that everything is coming out cleanly because it, it's not as clear. Uh, from the inside of the way. How often do you have to get a bit of distance? Um, at this phase, not as much as I need to because a lot of this is designed digitally and because of that, uh, a lot of that aspect is done beforehand and it's created in my head. And uh, I would say that one of my giftings is to be able to visualize what something will look like once it's actually created. So there isn't a lot of manipulation at this part of the process. So you can visualize, gosh, that, that amazes me that so mentally in your head you have this picture that, this image that is what you'll be able to put up? 
Yeah, I, uh, a lot of my time is actually just thinking about what I'm gonna create. Uh, I, I even build into my processes long periods of time where I work on things that are not creative just so the like back of my head latency can like develop what, uh, what needs to be done in a different project or proposal that's coming at me. So sort of, not subconscious, but... It's somewhere between conscious and subconscious. It's like, it, uh, I often use the analogy of, uh, I, I didn't grow up skiing, uh, I, snow skiing, but like I went skiing in my 20s, and then uh, I was terrible at it, and then I didn't go for three years, and somehow I was better at it. And it's like, in the back of your head, your brain is figuring something out even when you don't realize it. And so, uh, if you talk to my wife, she'll, she'll tell you that like, we'll just be doing something and all of a sudden I'll just stop and go, oh, that's what has to happen for that installation to work. So yeah, there's a lot of like, looking at something and then trying your hardest not to look at it. Getting out of your own way. Yes, getting out of my own way is, is a major part of this process. I don't want to give too much away, but how would you describe this to uh, someone who's going to come to Famous Hardware but hasn't yet seen this work? What they'll see is actually light coming through the stencil that I've created. And uh, it is a play of pattern and line. Um, in a few minutes, I'll be adding these large banners uh, behind the piece, which creates like a visual uh, relationship between the foreground and the background. I love storefront as canvas because you know we have a long history with looking through storefronts and at holiday times, I think people who lived in bigger cities, you'd go to the department stores and they'd have displays. And in an era where brick and mortar is not as healthy everywhere as it used to be. Um, I just like the idea of bringing eyes to a storefront. Yeah, I, I uh, so I've been a visual artist for 20 years. Uh, about 10 years in, I realized that the only people who were seeing my artwork were people who felt comfortable uh, going into a traditional white space of, uh, or the white cube art gallery. And while that's an important part of the art community, I definitely felt like I wanted something that was more, uh, I guess you would say populist or like the people on the street could actually see it. So I created a, uh, I started working on a series of actual plaid shirts that went on storefront windows uh, uh, without permission, <laughs> without being asked to do that. I would create plaid shirts out of duct tape and I've put them up all over the world, and uh, yeah, like in, there's over 120 of them, I think. Um, and so I wanted to create work that was actually being able to be seen by every person who goes down a street and has an experience. Like it's such a, it's such a, a terrible thing that most art is cloistered into these like spaces and so giving people on the street is absolutely uh, a goal and a, a thing that I love about work like this. And what's great about that is it also brings in surprise 
because when you go into those white spaces that are a gallery, you may not know what specifically you're going to see, but you have this idea that I'm going in to see visual art. This will be caught by eyeballs that have no idea. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's, and there's nothing more exciting to me than whenever I'm out in the world and I see something visually uh, exciting. And even if it's like natural, it's wonderful to see something visually happening. And uh, yeah, and this foundation and bringing me here has given me the opportunity to create that for other people in a very intentional way. Yeah, I, I, I love the idea that people are going to get to experience this over the next few months. And so uh, this hand series is something that I've been working on for the last uh, probably 10 years. And every time I create a piece in this line, uh, it takes on a different thought and process uh, and concept. And um, so this one uh, is titled Receiving. And so I really wanted to stick with a very simple idea of the idea and the sensation of receiving something amazing. Um, yeah, I had my first son uh, about a year ago and uh, we tried uh, to have a baby for 18 years. So, uh, yeah, I think this is probably subconsciously, now that I'm becoming conscious of it, of that sensation of just the joy uh, of receiving some, an amazing gift. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Jay Walker, visual artist from Philadelphia, talking yesterday as he worked on receiving. One of the new visual works on the famous hardware windows and facade on Emma Avenue in downtown Springdale, Opening reception for that work and Conrad Baker's accompanying art tonight from 5 to 8 in Springdale. The series of work at the site is curated by Dayton Castleman of Verdant Studio. Funding assistant comes from the Tyson Family Foundation. Welcome to the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. Some big news announced earlier this week by electric vehicle startup Canoe. And that could potentially make Northwest Arkansas a player in the emerging EV industry. Canoe said Monday it is planning to relocate its headquarters to Bentonville from Texas and create more than 500 new jobs in the region. The company said it will also establish a research and development facility in Fayetteville. Now that aligns with Canoe's announcement earlier this year that it would build a manufacturing facility in Pryor, Oklahoma. The company expects to begin production of its cars in 2022. Canoe officials did not share details when asked by the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal about when or where its Bentonville headquarters or the Fayetteville R&D facility would open. We will, of course, report those details as they are available. We've got plenty more about that news announcement this week, and you can find that story online at nwabusinessjournal.com. Stay tuned for more news after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com 
Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com. First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security, member FDIC, equal housing lender. We are still about 12 months away from Election Day 2022, but politics is always omnipresent in the natural state, it seems. On a recent episode of Talk Business and Politics with Roby Brock, Dr. Jay Barth and Robert Kuhn offered their bipartisan analysis on a handful of topics, including what the prospects are for Republican Senator John Bozeman of Rogers, who will face several primary challengers next year who are also seeking the GOP nomination. Here's Roby Brock now with Dr. Jay Barth, Emeritus Professor of Politics at Hendricks College, and Robert Kuhn, Managing Partner at Impact Management Group. Uh, Senator John Bozeman, the Arkansas poll comes out uh, in the last week, shows him well under 50 percent. I think he's at 38 percent, if I remember correctly, maybe 39 percent. Do either of you think, and Jay, I'll let you go first on this, do you think that John Bozeman is in political trouble? Yeah, we've had this conversation before. I mean, when we, our last poll, which also showed him in a a similar situation, um, and, you know, my take then, I think it's still my take that, uh, you know, in a a normal state, uh, yes, he'd be in big trouble uh, as a long-term incumbent who has just not ever fully broken through with the Arkansas public. Um, That said, I do uh, think that, you know, as the most likely uh, Republican nominee, um, he has that real advantage in a state where that brand is is very valuable and where um, the Democrats really in this race have not put forward to date a candidate who has fundraising ability and the ability to kind of capture uh, attention the way that they I think Chris Jones has kind of gotten to that level in the governor's race, although he's certainly dramatically disadvantaged. Um, I think that um, that he has broken through in a way that none of the Senate candidates on the Democratic side have. So uh, yeah, normally, yeah, he's he's a he's a flawed candidate. Uh, but, um, you know, if he can just get the nomination, that's all it takes probably in this cycle. And I think the odds are he will. Uh, the real question is, it's a it's a somewhat crowded field as well. And is there enough opposition to draw him into a runoff, which always gets tricky for an incumbent? Um, although in Arkansas, those incumbents tend to win those runoffs. Uh, it's never, never pretty. And, um, and so I think that's the big question moving forward. All right, Robert. Uh, Jay's kind of touched much more on the general election prospects for John Bozma. But in that Republican primary, which you would know well, Jay Beckett, Jan Morgan, a couple of others kicking around there. Does John Bozeman have problems in the GOP primary? I, I don't think so. I think I think at this point, you know, Senator Bozeman's the exception to the rule. I think Jay's right. You know, if you're under 50, in most cases, people would, you know, be sounding alarm bells. I think the only number that matters, and we didn't see that number from the Arkansas poll, but the only number that matters in his race is where is he with Republican primary voters? I mean, that is the race. A Republican is going to win. U.S. Senate seat. Um, so, I mean, the question is, is that John Bozeman? I would say at this point, yes, it is. Um, we haven't seen that he's, you know, 
underwater with Republican voters or anything like that. So I think his brand, while certainly uh, lower profile, is still good with Republicans. I think you're going to have to see, you know, really the attacks come out from Jan Morgan and Jake Beckett um, against against Senator Bozeman. But, you know, one of the areas that we touched on in our last poll was, uh, you know, there's a there was a group of, of voters that, you know, really viewed Biden negatively that didn't have an opinion on Senator Bozeman. And that is really fertile ground for him. I think we have seen him since that time. He has ratcheted up kind of the rhetoric against the Biden administration. He's getting more into that messaging. And I think that messaging will serve him well going into the primary. Your legislative redistricting, we've seen the maps that uh, look like they're going to be fairly permanent. There might be some small changes to them. Uh, I'll just give you general takeaways. Jay, what are you seeing in those maps that interest you? And then Robert, same question coming to you. Yeah, maybe the thing that interested me the most was um, they didn't look as dramatically uh, different as expect as I might have expected. I would have expected uh, maybe um, uh, some coalition on the Board of Apportionment to uh, to maybe um, make things more complicated for some of the more uh, complicating uh, members of the Republican uh, caucus, uh, those who have been most hostile to the governor uh, in his interest. Uh, so that didn't happen. Uh, the result is a lot of maps that look pretty similar uh, to old, the old maps, except, of course, new new districts added uh, in those high growth areas, and, uh, the suburbs around Little Rock, and then especially in northwest Arkansas. So, you know, um, probably uh, the surprise for me is I was less surprised. The one exception, of course, the Megan Godfrey map in northwest Arkansas, which has gotten a lot of attention. If there are going to be changes, that might be an area where there could be some changes. Obviously, she was drawn out of her old district uh, with just a nudge of it left in what is now um, a majority um, Hispanic um, uh, population district, not a voting age population district, but a, but a population district. Uh, that's the one um, kind of interesting thing on, uh, on the Democratic side, and I think could have some implications for the rest of the maps up in northwest Arkansas. All right. How about you, Robert? Uh, you know, I think the the most interesting thing that I kind of I think is still kind of emerging is you know there's there's certainly some house districts that changed uh, where you may have a member that you know feel you know, they're still you know the they're the incumbent in their district but the district has changed around them based on the way the lines were drawn and you know there have already been some Representative John Payton's one who has said well hey my district's different and you know instead of trying to just you know, meet all the new people in my house district, I might as well go for the Senate. I think there's potentially some other ones out there where people are looking around going, you know, if I have to go, you know, meet a whole new electorate that I'm not used to running in front of, I might as well try to seek the larger prize. And so that's going to be interesting to see how, you know, how those situations play out. If more of those kind of primaries even start to, you know, develop just based on, you know, somebody's lines changing to where they're having to meet a new electorate anyway. So they, you know, the risk is there for them, to, the reward's there for them to take a, a little bit bigger risk. That is Jay Barth and Robert Kuhn on a recent episode of Talk Business and Politics with Roby Brock. They also discussed the prospects for Attorney General Leslie Rutledge, who dropped out of the race for governor and an uphill climb against presumptive nominee Sarah Huckabee Sanders, to instead run for Arkansas Lieutenant Governor. You can watch that discussion over on our sister website, talkbusiness.net. Other headlines this week at nwabusinessjournal.com. Olivia Walton has assumed the Board of Directors leadership role at Crystal Bridges Museum in Bentonville. She's filling the seat held by the founder, Walmart heir Alice Walton, who is transitioning to an emeritus role. 
Olivia Walton has been a museum board member since 2019 and is married to one of Alice Walton's nephews, Tom Walton. And Springdale-based transit provider Ozark Regional Transit will use a nearly $1 million grant from the Walton Family Foundation to support several initiatives, including the extension of its zero-fare service in Northwest Arkansas through 2022. I'm Paul Gatling, and that is the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large. It's Thursday. I'm in the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio with Timothy Dennis. Timothy, how are you? I am wonderful, Kyle. How are you? Great. And we talk about live music almost every Thursday. We do. We do. Uh, let's start with tonight. JJ's live in Fayetteville. They're going to have Rumors. They're a Fleetwood Mac tribute band. Makes sense. Right. Tickets for that show are twelve fifty. That gets underway at seven thirty this evening. Again, that's at JJ's Live in North Fayetteville. Also happening tonight, over at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs, Patty Steele will play a set. Captivated one more time. Terrifies calling. Lines are down, it didn't go through. Bridges out on Highway 62. If you can't catch her tonight, or if you want to see her again, she'll also be at Core Brewing in Springdale next Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Thanksgiving Eve. Thanksgiving Eve. And there are other shows coming up Thanksgiving Eve that we'll talk about in a few minutes. Very good. Uh, Her show tonight at Chelsea's, though, that gets underway at 8 o'clock. Moving on to tomorrow night, Georgia's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have William Clark Green on stage. Kind of contemporary country music. Okay. Okay. All this time we spend together I got a feeling, baby, can't you see It's all good, but it could be better All these days gonna get it right Good Lord willing and the creek don't rise Tickets for that show are $20 today They go up to $23 tomorrow That gets underway at 9.30 tomorrow night Again, that is at George's in Fayetteville Happening at Mojo's East in Fayetteville tomorrow night, a guy by the name of Gerard Mounts is on stage, M-O-U-N-C-E. He's a local singer-songwriter. You look pretty good down here, but you ain't really good. We never learned we've been here before. Why are we always stuck in running from? That show at Mojo's East tomorrow night gets underway at 7 o'clock. Happening up at Moonbrock and Rogers tomorrow night, Jenna Melnicki and friends will be on stage. That'll be a fun show. Jenna and the Soul Shakers. Right. That gets underway at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at Moonbrock and Rogers. Down in Fort Smith, a couple of shows to be aware of. Casey Donahue is going to be on stage at Temple Live. Just this memory in my head. You know you always want the ones that you can't have. But still I tear myself apart. Knowing you're the one it breaks. I pray every night. You 
don't hear Tickets for that show at Temple Live start at $20. That gets underway at 8 o'clock tomorrow night, again at Temple Live in Fort Smith. Uh, another show in Fort Smith tomorrow night, Ray Wiley Hubbard is going to be on stage at Majestic. Ooh. Yeah, he puts on a show. Yeah, he does. That show has a $20 cover in advance, goes up to $25 tomorrow. That gets underway at 7.30 tomorrow night at Majestic in Fort Smith. Jumping ahead to Saturday, 612 Coffee House is going to have jazz and blues, courtesy of Michael Hanna and Asher Perkins. Okay. That show gets underway at 4 o'clock Saturday afternoon. Again, that's at 612 Coffee House in West Fayetteville. Nomad's Trailside in Fayetteville Saturday is going to have a rock and roll show featuring OSC1, My Life in Color, and Townhouse Fire. That show gets underway at 8 o'clock Saturday evening. Again, that's at Nomad's Trailside in Midtown Fayetteville. Moving up to Bentonville Saturday night, it's the next edition of the Soul Night series by Music Moves. Right. This time, they are featuring Pura Coco, Dana, Big Dane Johnson, and Avery Sunshine. Does this take place? That is at Meteor Guitar Gallery. Tickets are $30. That gets underway at 9 o'clock Saturday evening. Again, that's in Bentonville. Over in Eureka Springs, Chelsea's is going to have the Chad Marshall Band on stage. They're an Arkansas-based blues band. Also be at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs Friday evening at seven, but their show Saturday night at Chelsea's has a five dollar cover. Gets underway at nine o'clock. Still in Eureka Springs Saturday evening, Charlie Mellinger will be on stage at the Gravel Bar. He's a local singer songwriter. That gets underway at 7 o'clock Saturday evening again, the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. Okay, moving ahead to Sunday, there's going to be a big, big show at Meteor Guitar Gallery in Bentonville. It is a benefit show for Candice Hollenchick. She's a local music fan who's been diagnosed with stage 4 liver cancer. Mm. But on stage, they're going to feature Amber Sterling Trio, Neon Flight, Ashton Barbary, Foggy Bobcat, Drummer Boy Infinity, Honey Shuffle, Randall Shreve, and Kalo. Wow. Big, big show. Gets underway at 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon again at Meteor Guitar Gallery in Bentonville. At the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs Sunday, they're going to have Brick Fields on stage if you need a little bit of blues therapy. You bet. Keep your hands on the plow and hold on. 
That gets underway at 5 o'clock Sunday evening again at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. Monday, Danny Mullen is going to be on stage at 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville. He's a local singer-songwriter. Every time push comes to shove, take that love away. And all this time that gets underway at 6 o'clock Monday evening again, 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville. Treehouse in Bentonville on Monday is going to feature Abby Howard. She's a local singer songwriter that specializes in worship songs. Of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm not that show will get underway at six o'clock Monday evening again. That's at Treehouse, Black Apple Crossings, New Tap Room in Bentonville. Gotcha. And then jumping up to Wednesday, as I promised, there are a few friends giving shows taking mm-hmm. place. One we'll hear a little bit more about on Friday's show that's happening in Fayetteville. Uh, Willie Carlisle, Bonnie Montgomery, and Chris Acker will be at George's Majestic Lounge. That's the night before Thanksgiving. That's it a, is. That's, that's going to be fun. It is. Tickets for that show are $15. That gets underway at 8.30 Wednesday night again at George's in Fayetteville. And then down in Fort Smith at the other end of the listening area, Majestic is going to have a Friendsgiving featuring the Flip-Off Pirates and Vintage Pistol. Oh, that'll be a nice double show. That will be a nice double bill. Uh, Tickets are $12 in advance, go up to $15 on the day of the show. That gets underway at 8 o'clock next Wednesday at Majestic in Fort Smith. And that takes us all the way up to Thanksgiving. And just a reminder, we will not be doing this a week from today on Thanksgiving. Correct. It'll be two weeks from now. Yes. So, So if you're looking for something after Thanksgiving, kind of on your own. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. We opened Sound Perimeter today with Johann Sebastian Bach's Brandenburg Concerto No. 5 for solo flute, solo violin, strings, and harpsichord. What do you do when you have a new instrument in your court? You show it off. Bach wrote this piece in three movements in 1719 to present a new harpsichord he had brought back from Berlin to his court. The first movement is known for a long and difficult passage for the instrument that highlights the virtuosism of the harpsichord player.
Johann Sebastian Bach's Brandenburg Concerto No. 5 for solo flute, solo violin, strings and harpsichord. This piece was one of six concertos written by Bach, all wildly regarded as some of the most important ensemble compositions of the Baroque era. Jennifer Jolly, born in 1981, is a West Texas-based composer of vocal, orchestral, wind ensemble, chamber, and electronic works. Jolly, known for her political and provocative compositions, was asked to reimagine a Bach Brandenburg concerto, and it was her ticket to use the Baroque ensemble and the harpsichord in her piece Spielzeug Strassenbahn. Jolie says about this piece, quote, When thinking about this project, I noticed that trains have a constant musical energy about them, similar to Brandenburg concertos. With this in mind, I make my musical offering in the form of a toy trolley, one that will bridge the gap between my 21st century contribution and Bach's 18th century one, taking us to an imagined time and place that I have never traveled, end quote. Let us listen to an excerpt from this piece interpreted by Brandon Patrick George, flute, Heinald Pifnik, solo violin, Daniel Walden, harpsichord, and the Urban Playground Chamber Orchestra, conducted by Thomas Cunningham. That was an excerpt from Spielzeug Strassenbahn by American composer Jennifer Jolie, a piece partly inspired by Bach Brandenburg concertos and by the energy of trains. Jolie 
will be visiting the University of Arkansas Music Department for a residency that includes concerts with the Wind Ensemble and Wind Symphony on Monday, November 22nd at 7.30 p.m. in the Faulkner Performing Arts Center. More information about the composer and her visit in the show notes. The house where I grew up was located in front of a railroad and Any and every opportunity to evoke the sounds of my childhood is always welcomed. Following Jolie's train of thought, I close Sampanimeter today with Trenzinho, or Little Train, by Brazilian composer Eitor Villalobos, performed by the Bella Voce Choir, directed by also Brazilian Mariana Farah, from a 2008 live performance in Kansas City. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Penimeter. Sound Penimeter is a segment I write and host, produced by Timothy Dennis and Lee Wood. Sound Penimeter is dedicated to diverse voices in and around music, and we hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. Starting this week, you can follow us on Spotify. More information in our show notes. See you soon. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, creativity explored. Songwriter Willie Carlisle talks with Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis about creating music. Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore visits with Andrea Allen from Onyx Coffee Lab about the creativity she needed to be named second best barista at the World Championships. And we hear from composer Jennifer Jolly about using real-world events and history as inspiration for her music. She'll be on the University of Arkansas campus this next week. All of that and more on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. on 91.3 KUAF. And it's all part of the Ozarks at Large podcast, too. You can download or subscribe to our daily podcast version of this show through any major podcast distributor. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. Fayetteville Roots presents guitarist, singer, songwriter Richard Thompson for a solo acoustic performance this Saturday evening at the Faulkner Performing Arts Center on the U of A campus. The show starts at 7 p.m. with opening act Justin Peter Kinkelschuster. Tickets and more information available at FayettevilleRoots.org. We have results from the 16th annual Beaver Water District's Secchi Day. That day is devoted to science and water education 
and the traditional measuring of the lake's clarity using a black and white Secchi disc. It's lowered into the lake, and volunteer observers measure how far down that item can be seen. This year's event in August included measurements in 25 lake locations. Some reduction in transparency compared to last year, but minimal, and it should be pointed out this year, there were thunderstorms coming by, so wind and clouds may have had an effect on the clarity observations. This is KUAF 91.3 Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Beaver Lake. Today's show produced by Timothy Dennis. Contributors today included Timothy Dennis, Leah Uribe, and Matthew Moore. The Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report comes to us from Talk Business and Politics. It is produced by Stephanie Brock. Our theme is titled The First Hurrah, written and performed by Daryl Sean. You can find out what's on our show every day if you subscribe to the free Ozarks at Large KUAF email newsletter. You can sign up for free at KUAF.com. And we will be back with you tomorrow at noon and 7, a packed new edition of our show. Thanks so much for being with us on this Thursday. Please stay warm. Please stay safe. From the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, I'm Kyle Kellums.